0: The biggest celebrations are uh, are done by the companies and corporations' uh, representatives, uh, but certainly not uh, of uh, labor representatives.
1: It's really important that the Commission becomes much more transparent about these processes.
2: Several previous commission ministers to achieve this form of new uh, heavy deregulation, they failed after protests from, uh, from trade unions and civil society. So I think that that would be an important uh, aim to uh, to replicate that.
1: You're listening to EU Watchdog Radio.
3: Hi, welcome. I'm Joanna Losin, Comms Officer at Corporate Europe Observatory or CEO. In this episode of EU Watchdog Radio, I will talk to economist and trade unionist Frank I, and to Olivia Hudeman and Moritz Nojewski, co-authors of CEO's latest report called 30 Years of EU Single Market, How to Remove the Obstacles to Social-Ecological Transformation. Let's start at the beginning. What is the single market?
2: The single market is is a lot of things. It's uh, a... the, the freedom of of movements the freedom of uh, of uh, to trade and uh, freedom to invest and uh, yeah there's these four freedoms uh some of it is is, is positive for and, and something that gives people uh, rights for example uh being able to cross borders into another new country without a passport or to work abroad and i guess uh it's it's a good thing that um Organic fruits and vegetables from other EU countries can be sold in in our shops and without tariffs and restrictions at the borders and so on. Um, but there's there's a much bigger picture, um, and the single market is also very much a, a, a neoliberal neoliberal project. It's a project of um, of liberalisation and privatisation and of of expanding uh, market mechanisms to. Uh, so virtually all areas of, uh, of our societies. That's, that's also the reality of the single market.
3: This is Olivia Hudemann, campaigner and researcher at CEO and co-author of the report. Frank I gave me a good example of one of these negative aspects of the single market.
0: Concerning labor issues, uh, we also see uh, problems, for example, when people are posted to other countries. And in Austria and Germany, for example, there are a lot of people posted from, I don't know, for example, Hungary, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Romania, to Austria to build, for example, a house. And there uh, we see often the problem that the people don't get paid what they should get paid. There's also a problem with uh,
3: social contributions. Frank works at the European and International Department of the Austrian Chamber of Labour, or Arbeiterkammer, and is a lecturer at the Vienna University of Economics and Business. Going back just a bit, Olivia was telling me about how the single market is a project constantly pressuring for the liberalisation and privatisation of public services. An example of this was something that was called the Bolkstein Directive. This scary-sounding jargon refers to when, in 2004, Commissioner Fritz Bolkstein proposed the Services Directive, also known as the Bolkstein Directive, which aimed at sweeping liberalisation of services.
2: That, luckily, was, uh, was met with protests from trade unions and from social movements in many European countries, because they rightly feared... That uh, the, the proposed services directive would lead to privatization of public services and and a race to the bottom in social rights and and, and so on. So, due to the protests, some service sectors were exempted. Some public services uh, are now still excluded from the single market, and notably, that's uh, drinking water. So that was important. But um, but these privatization and liberalization pressures are, are still there. So the European Commission has since uh, very stubbornly just continued to get rid of exemptions and, and uh, working to, as they call it, complete the single market. But there you see that's an interpretation of the single market that's very, very radical and far, very, very different from what, what we started out with in the conversation one.
3: It's now time for me to introduce the third and final guest of today's podcast, Moritz Nojewski, political scientist and co-author of the report, who is also coordinating a network of progressive NGOs and think tanks.
1: One of the powers and main tasks of the European Commission is actually to ensure that member states comply with EU law. And this is why the, the Commission is quite often also called the guardian of the treaties, and the infringement procedure is kind of a codified mechanism with which the commission can actually investigate if a member state has indeed breached or infringed um, EU law. And so if the commission thinks uh, there's a potential infringement, it will approach a member state um, and ask for an explanation of a, a certain law or legislation that it um, adopted. And after some kind of back and forth. If the commission is still not satisfied with with the response by the member state, um, it can actually transfer the matter to the European Court of Justice and the European Court of Justice then um, can issue a judgment and even impose penalties on the member state or um, financial sanctu- sanctions.
3: One of the most prominent and recent examples of this happens in 2022, when the Commission took action and launched the process to slash Hungary's funds over Orban's breach of the rule of law. But there are many infringement cases that are started each month, several of which related to potential breaches of single-market legislation.
1: And what is very important to to know um, uh, about this infringement procedure is that the Commission not always acts on its own. So individuals and especially companies, trade associations, and lobbyists can actually directly complain to um, the European Commission, and regarding potential breaches of EU law, um, which then the Commission has to to investigate and. I mean, handling these complaints, the commission is actually quite secretive about it. So it doesn't uh, publish the complaints. We don't know who complains um, or how many companies actually um, complain. So only very recently, um, um, through a parliamentary question by the left MEP, Martin Schiedebaum, um, the commission responded that it receives roughly about 400 um, complaints by organizations um, per year regarding the single market. But this is basically all um, that we know.
3: Another important aspect of the infringement procedure is that the commission has tried to give preference to informal dialogues, where in practice the public has no way of knowing what is happening.
1: The difference here is that um, during this informal stage, there are no, there's basically no publication about it, there are no press releases, and we don't really know what is happening there behind the scenes, so we, we're basically staying in the dark there.
3: CEO's new report presents several shocking case studies that show how corporations use single market to block and delay progressive change. One of them is quite recent. In 2021, the French government introduced a ban on eight short-distance flight routes. They chose routes that were shorter than 2050 kilometers and which had train alternatives.
1: And the ban was actually an outcome of the Citizens' um, Convention for Climate. It was really also part of the the French Climate and uh, Resilient Law, which was adopted in 2021. So there was a whole democratic process behind um, the initiative.
3: But as this was happening, the Commission received a complaint, of course, from the airport and airline lobbies, claiming it violated their freedom to provide services.
1: After the commission received that, it had to start an investigation. And first of all, the whole, um, the whole ban was put on hold. And I mean, this case is, is, I think, quite interesting because in the end, it doesn't really represent a clear-cut win for the, for the industry or the companies. But what happened was that the commission approved the, the ban only with severe restrictions. So instead of originally eight routes, which, which France planned to, um, to ban, um, they could only ban three of these eight routes. And now France has to actually um, uh, do an assessment um, of the measure and report to the commission every, every two years, basically, and um, kind of ask for, for reapproval approval of, of the measure. Um, and I mean, we have to we have to realize that this is happening while the climate crisis is intensifying, and while actually the Commission announced that it wants to cut CO2 emissions by um, 55% uh, until um, 2030. So uh, there's kind of a, a mismatch here, I would say, it's a strong one. Um, how we um, how we balance. Uh, efforts to to protect the climate with um, yeah uh, market interests, so to say, or profit interests, um, and also in this case, it was extremely difficult to to obtain um, information. So CEO actually filed I think several freedom of information requests, didn't get an answer, and then after four months, actually had to had to call on the European ombudsman um, to look at the case and and obtain some some information. And so, it, yeah, it was really difficult to um, to get to the bottom of this case.
3: Um, yeah. And even but... if the airplane lobby didn't get a complete win in that in that case, they did manage to get a delay of uh, one year. I think it was in that case. Exactly. Yes.
1: And yeah, in other cases, the the delays may be much longer. So um, also, when it comes of banning certain certain. Um, chemicals for example um, or um, components which are used in in um, plastic bottles for example um can so yeah can be much longer and, and, and yeah I mean th- I think that the case basically s- shows us how companies can can rely on these single market enforcement mechanisms um in order to to have their yeah, yeah profits flowing yeah. in a way and how elected politicians are then really hampered um, uh, to well to, to go about and and um, take democratic you know, or legitimate um, uh, policies and and um, do what the voter wants them to do in a way.
3: As Moritz mentioned, this was not an example of an obvious win for the industry. Unfortunately, there are several of these examples in the report. Frank mentioned another threat under the single market emergency instrument, and this time questioning our fundamental right to strike.
0: Single market emergency uh, instrument, uh, which was proposed, uh, does not include the right for the for the workers to make a strike, and it was all it was always um, possible with the so-called strawberry. Uh, regulation, of course, to have this uh, principle uh, right to make a strike yeah, and to take action. Yeah? And uh, now they just deleted it in the proposal and uh, didn't mention it anymore. Yeah, they said, OK, strawberry act is not necessary anymore because we have a new proposal and this new proposal does not cover these fundamental rights of course we compl- uh, we uh, made a complaint uh, immediately and then they uh, tried uh, to repair it but of course it's weaker than uh, the strawberry uh, regulation was so it's now it's it's still under negotiation but uh, uh, we are not happy about it and it's uh, one uh, action more by uh, by the Commission to just make corporations stronger and uh, to, weak, uh, to weaken the position of, um, of employees and workers.
3: We're almost at the end of this podcast, but before we go, I wanted to know what can be done to improve this situation.
2: Well, knowing that um, most of this single market <coughs> legislation was developed in the neoliberal peak years of the 1990s and 2000s, there's really uh, a need to um, revise a, l- a lot of key uh, EU legislation, and that includes the Services Directive, includes uh, state aid uh, law, it includes public procurement law, and and the list continues. Um, these are all directives that that hinder governments and cities in um, in going for really uh, ambitious and transformative. Uh, local, uh, national policies to enable the uh, to achieve the radical ecological and social uh, transition that that we need in Europe to avoid catastrophic climate change and so on, and avoid the uh, social crisis. So, so that's uh, important to state that that there is a there is a big job ahead in basically changing a lot of the single market laws that were developed in the 90s and 2000s. That will take time and, and, and there will be a lot of opposition against that but so in the meantime it's really important that the eu gives a strong signal to governments and to cities that the the socially just climate and environmental tr- transition is really a, a priority for the eu and that measures that uh, governments and cities take towards that goal uh, also to protect public services and that that's um, is appreciated and will not be challenged by by this form of aggressive single market enforcement, by investigations and, and and infringement procedures. So that is why we we are proposing that the EU makes it a very clear signal, and that could be that could be framed as a just transition exemption that measures that, that are taken in the context of uh, achieving a just um, environmental and, and climate transition will be exempted from uh, from being challenged on the single market
0: law. Yeah, what we need is a single market uh, which works in the interests uh, of, uh, of the people. Because what we see now since 30 years is uh, politics... Uh, which is working in the interest of uh, large corporations.
1: I think that it's really important that the the commission becomes much more transparent about about these processes. And I think when it comes to the the informal part, um, it would be good that we have kind of a public information system where we can see as citizens, okay, um, is there a new investigation started? Um, uh, Is there... Are there new complaints which are which are registered, um, and um, yeah, what what kind of infringement procedures are actually going on right right now, um, and this should also include that the commission should proactively um, publish important um, important documents of the the investigation. So um, these documents um, should definitely be um, be published, and it would also be I think very helpful to to increase the um, democratic oversight of the, the European Parliament. So um, we imagine, for example, that the the Commission should inform the European Parliament maybe you know once a year about ongoing um, investigations um, and you know, trends in uh, how many complaints or company complaints it received, and so on and so forth.
3: Well, these are the demands from civil society. Lobby groups are also very hard at work with theirs.
2: Well, the reality is that there's a very strong campaign from corporate lobby groups, like the European Roundtable of Industrialists, that um, that sense that the the current economic and political climate is the, the moment for them to uh, push through with uh, very radical demands for for around single markets uh, liberalisation and deregulation. So they are they have come out with demands uh, in the last year or so that the you should remove all remaining regulatory barriers um, in all sectors of the economy and then they have the service sector as a real priority and that the commission uh, should really upgrade further their enforcement of uh, single market law and yeah and uh, it, it's clear what's what in this, what these industry lobby groups want they want to preempt uh, uh, progressive initiatives on the national level they're not happy with seeing cities develop new rules for to to reduce uh, air pollution from from cars for example or uh, or, or restricting hypermarkets uh, and and, and uh, from from building um, from undermining the local economies and so on they do, they don't like that kind of uh, dynamics so they uh, they've been um, uh, building up these campaigns and and unfortunately the european commission is very open to those demands and so in march they, they launched a new initiative that very closely mirrors the demands by corporate lobby groups and they're now discussing these uh, initiatives with governments and basically it, it is um, uh, a major upgrade of the enforcement mechanisms to to tighten the screws even further um, and make it more difficult for from, uh, from new initiatives from the local and national level to make their way through the decision-making process and actually become laws and, and rules. Um, so, yeah, a new new form of deregulation pressure that would uh, that would be the result of this. So that's very uh, very worrying to see. Uh, that would really reduce the democratic space that's so crucially needed for the. social and ecological transition in europe Uh, and it's really important for um, society groups uh, trade unions and social movements to uh, be aware of these new um, uh, initiatives from the european commission and and um, and uh, express their concern and the what's hopeful is of course that previous Commission initiatives, several uh, previous Commission initiatives to achieve this form of new uh, heavy deregulation, that they failed after protest from um, from trade unions and civil society. So I think that that would be an important uh, aim to uh, to replicate that in the coming months.
3: We have come to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much, Frank Moritz and Olivier. You can follow Arbeiterkammer's news at www.akeuropa.org website. You can read this report in CEO's website, where you can also play our brand new board game called The Single Market at 30. If you like this podcast and value the work of CEO, then please support us to stay independent. Sign in to our newsletter at corporateeurope.org and follow us on social media. Till next time, bye-bye!